It's Tuesday, September the 3rd. I'm back with you after a long, hot summer. OK, maybe not so hot, but we won't say much about that. I'm Sharon Noonan and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Very good evening to you and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I've had a great 2019 summer and I hope you have had one too, exploring different parts of Ireland and beyond and tasting lots of new foods and drinks. Tonight's programme takes us to the most northern part of Ireland, to the fabulous County Donegal, an area of the country that I'm familiar with having grown up on its doorstep and being lucky enough to have some very good friends from the area. But for those of you that aren't familiar with beautiful Donegal, I hope tonight's show is going to inspire you to make that trip to take advantage of what this great county has to offer. Its success in this year's RAI Foodie Destinations confirms just this, with the food coast in Donegal taking third place as a destination and Donegal Town was the winning foodie town. My most recent trip was thanks to Eurotalk Ireland, which is the nurturing community of like-minded chefs, cooks, producers and educators that celebrates the best of Ireland's food and drink produce. They're an independent, non-profit organisation whose mission is to preserve Ireland's culinary heritage and inspire the future. And it was an inspiration trip during the summer that introduced me to the latest culinary developments in County Donegal. The itinerary was organised and facilitated thanks to a collaboration between a number of individuals and groups and those would be Eurotalks Manuela Spinelli and Anthony O'Toole, food champion and chef Chris Malloy from The Lemon Tree in Letterkenny, Sue Glacken from Donegal Food Tours and Eve-Anne McCarran from the local Enterprise Office. So thanks very much to all of you for organising the trip. I know that not just myself but all the chefs and other people that were on it really enjoyed it. And before we hear from some of the food producers and chefs that I met on my journey, let me remind you how to get in touch with me here at the best possible taste. You can make contact by emailing s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So our first stop tonight on our Donegal food tour is at the Counter Deli in Letterkenny, which is owned by Richard and Olivia Finney. It's a multi-award winning wine shop, deli and speciality coffee shop and a showcased of fantastic Donegal producers and so much more. First up, we're going to hear from Eve-Anne McCarran from the local enterprise office who sets the scene for our journey before we hear about tuna, tea and wheatgrass from some local producers. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Hi, my name is Yvonne McCarran and I work as a business advisor with the local enterprise office and would work with the Food Coast Initiative in Donegal. I think we're kind of coming of age in Donegal. Um, there's been a lot of work done over the last kind of maybe since 2012-2013 to put a foundation into a strategy that kind of sets a vision for Donegal. And what you're seeing now is that all across the county, different chefs, different producers are starting to really work together to kind of realise that ambition and realise that strategy of making Donegal famous for food. Um, it sounds like a kind of tourism initiative, but it's not really just about tourism, it's about getting more food businesses up and running in Donegal so that our chefs have more local produce to work with and then kind of it's almost like creating like a micro economy that'll keep feeding itself and kind of create jobs locally and kind of make it stronger and more sustainable for people to be here and live in Donegal and at the same time attracting more people to come to Donegal for the food. Donegal Food Tours is kind of like a recent addition to the food scene in Donegal and what it's helping to do is kind of join the dots between different chefs, different producers and so it's a nice wee collection of kind of what is available for Donegal. Before we kind of get on the bus and everybody's talking individually, Chris wanted to bring you to the counter because I think whenever you look back to Donegal's food scene and when things started to really change, it was places like the counter that kind of had an integral role because what they were doing was they were trying to just build a community around them that were interested in food and interested in wine and kind of interested in looking for things that were a wee bit different and helping kind of small producers get up and running. So they would have probably been one of the first to kind of champion Donegal food locally. We would have had product available and then the shelves, on the shelves. But what we've also then wanted to do today was give you the chance to meet a few of the local producers that have kind of started off small and are gladly now doing quite well and have products that are distinct and different um, on the market. So I suppose there's Declan and Marion have Meadow Sweet. Um, they've lovely, they've actually got camping facilities too on site or you've got the gypsy caravans on site too that people can rent and stay. And, but I met Marion about five or six years ago when she came in with a flask full of metal tea for me and she was a specialist in growing kind of micro hairs and that's what she was thinking of doing was growing micro hairs and giving them to sell them to the chefs. And then she said maybe I'll make tea. So she started off with that and she's growing all of her own kind of ingredients on up in fun town. It's just kind of about 20 minutes from here, half an hour. Depends on where you drive and Donegal Road. <laughs> and, uh, She's now making her own blended tea, which is available here, and we would have we would have used this product to send out to people. Because again, it's a Donegal tea that's made and grown in the county, and it's nice for people to see it. And I'll let each of John is shining seafood, and I'd say a lot of these are probably either heard of them or come across them at some point or another. And John will tell you exactly what's different and special about shining seafood. I think once you eat it, you'll know the difference. And then we've got Derek Walker from Mapnut. Derek's quite special as well in the sense that he is not only a producer but he's also one of these co-collaborators. So myself and Chris sat one night and said, well we come up and do a food festival. And they started off then the um, Off the Street Food Festival here in Letterkenny. And again, distinct to the taste of Donegal, which is very much about producers and demonstrations and loads of chefs. The Off the Street Food Festival is a lot about street food and there's an absolutely stunning atmosphere. If you get a chance to look online, you just see some of the wee footage of it. It's just lovely and it's a really social kind of event that happens just up here on the other side of Letterkenny and it's growing every year and hopefully it'll continue to grow. So maybe John you might kick things off and just give the group from Eurotox a sense of what you are and what you do. Our main product is um, Irish albacore tuna. Irish fishermen catch a type of tuna called albacore tuna as in albino. It's white. Now that's what it looks like in a glass jar. We started this about four years ago and we have it in about a thousand stores in Ireland. Um, it's also rolling out now in the food services. Albacore tuna 
the, the boats and kitty bags just finished up on Tuesday night. That was our six weeks season done. So you have two choices, you either preserve it or freeze it, but nobody wants to buy it frozen. So this actually is the way we decided to bring it to the market. And I must say, it's working out very well for us. And shops like this here, independent stores all over the country will stock it as well. So it's great for us and it's got a good shelf life. So it's in New York as well, about 25 stores. We're in London during the week. Um, people interested in it there. Once people taste albacore tuna, it'll change their perception of what tuna is. Most people are used to eating a type of tuna called skipjack, which is aggressively fishy, and they usually put mayonnaise on it and calm it down. But not this stuff. As Ivan introduced already, Derek from a company called Natnook, the natural nutrition company. Uh, we've been growing wheatgrass now for about four years, but we started this product here in, in January of this year, just we launched it. Um, Basically what we do, we, we grow wheatgrass and we, we're kind of incorporating superfoods into juices. We all know like the energy levels that we get when we drink natural foods and natural drinks. So we linked in with a local vegetable farmer, Ballyholy Farm Shop. He's literally a few miles down the road in a local town called Rafoe, where he supplies me with all the, the other vegetables, apart from the wheatgrass that we grow ourselves, obviously. So everything's cold pressed. And we've just literally started our journey with this new product on the Supervised Food Academy program, which we're progressing really well. And, and they're kind of inviting us to expand at the more stores, so we're, we're having to expand our business and to upgrade the equipment and all, which we've got some support from the open enterprise office for that. So we're in a really exciting time in our business. There's no chemicals or additives in our juices. It's all totally cold pressed, no sweeteners or no, no nothing except what's on the front of the label. And we take pride in that because we kind of come onto the market with kind of unique in that sense. And also, if you'll see in the back that you know all the, all the ingredients are really locally sourced. If we haven't grown them ourselves, John Green grew them for us, so, uh, so that's, that's a really nice plus to our product. Um, so yeah, we're able to say we're, we're getting rolled out on, on Instagram. We can be working with a distributor, distributing them to all the health food shops in Ireland as well. So they're going to be available in there as well, but uh, over time we're going to be building up through Supervalue and all that as well. So it's a really family-run business, really small, taking on a couple of staff now, and uh, we're just growing the business really. So that's it, there's some bottles available for you. Yeah, we are Meadowsweet Tea, uh, it's the brainchild of my wife really, and this is our first blend, uh, chocolate mint and wild nettle, and we grow these herbs in Fintown. And our idea is to have kind of simple teas with maybe two or three uh, most uh, ingredients, as opposed to herbal teas that have maybe 10 or 12 ingredients. Um, yeah, we want to expand, we want to have other blends as well, uh, like uh, Meadowsweet, strawberry mint and lavender, which I think would give a great aroma as well. When you drink this, I think you get a great, a great buzz, great vibe from it, and uh, it's fresh ingredients, and like wild nettle, you can't really beat it, really, can you? And uh, so that's that's us, and uh, we're, we want to expand. They're for sale here, and we have a website as well, meadowsweetireland.com, and uh, you can look us up there and order it from there. And so we are small at the moment. We do tend to expand, and we're building a, a workshop at the moment, so we can do more blending and uh, more packaging and drying. Because they're, they're all grown, all the herbs are grown in Fintown, and we dry them ourselves, and we package it ourselves as well. And that's us, Middle Sweet Ireland. Olivia and Richard are kind of the team behind the business here, and as well as having the deli, what they're also notorious for is creating events and bringing like their community to different restaurants around the county, so they're taking people to the mill and the family, the Red Door, like other places that are kind of like up, have a similar kind of cluster around them in their own area, so they're kind of near, and Donegal's quite big, and I know what you have to own about, we tend to be nearly of an island mentality from one day to the other, so you kind of nearly get people to explore their own county as much as you do to get 
people coming outside, the county yeah. and coming in, and the county's done that and kind of built this community for better Kenny and pushed them outside. And they're also hosting kind of pop-up nights here with yeah. Kieran Sweeney's coming to take over here and they're small intimate kind of nights. But it's just all about kind of creating different opportunities to get people to see each other. We have loads going on at Donegal and it's just nice to give our own people the chance to kind of explore it. And then we get a few visitors coming along the way, which is all the better for us. So, but, and I suppose just the food coast initiative, just to give you a bit of a sense of what we're doing. Um, I was trying to think this morning about what's different about the food coast and why does it work and why does it work. Maggie and myself are both from food backgrounds. Maggie's family own a pub and I came from working in food manufacturing. And now we're in the public sector, but we kind of stand with feet on both sides of the kind of thing because we understand that we really wanted doing all the kind of shame for. So whenever we're dealing with businesses every day, the reason they kind of respond is because they have some experience of what they're doing, and they tend to work quite well along with you. The Food Coast Initiative is about getting everybody to work together. And with this thing about making Donegal famous for food, that's our kind of objective and goal. It sounds like just a tourism piece, but ultimately what's about is we want more food producers up and running. Because what will happen is you'll get more food producers up and running. Chefs here will buy from more food producers and will create more jobs. And we will chat with people over the weekend. They're growing and developing and creating jobs in our economy. And giving us a reason why people can actually stay in Donegal rather than having to go anywhere else. So we're trying our best to kind of keep the momentum going. We have a network of about 100 people that are signed up to the network across the county. And again, it is a challenge across the county to kind of pull people in. But it's it is really, really working quite well at the And then we have a certification program where members can apply to be certified. It's not about quality. It's not about an elite group. For us, it's much more about an inclusivity and trying to get people to think similarly about how can we support one another. So whenever you see a certification, you'll see them here on the wall. It's about restaurants and chefs that are championing and supporting Donegal food. So we have criteria where they have to buy from at least, they have to show us that they're buying from at least five producers. Near Chris saying last day, he's got 22 producers, so he must be ready for a gold star at this stage. Um, but there's that type of thing, and it's just encouraging. And we kind of do, we went to Chester and took a group of chefs and restaurants and producers just to let them see what other places are doing. What you find is people come back and they do things a wee bit differently, or they add something new to their business, and they deal with somebody that they didn't deal with before. So, Together, we're kind of trying to work as hard as we can to just push Donegal a wee bit further and hopefully keep pushing it on now for many years to come. But we're glad you're here because you're kind of getting this before we become world famous. <laughs> we have to get the You're listening to the best possible taste with Sharon Noonan. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we were in the multi-award winning Counter Deli in Letterkenny in County Donegal where we met producers John Shine from Shine Tuna, Derek Walker from Nat Nut, The Natural Nutrition and Derek Gavin from Meadow Sweet Tea as well as Eve Ann McCarran from the local Enterprise office. If you missed that and you're just tuning in now you can catch Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app.
Now we're going to continue on our Donegal food tour this evening by hopping on the Donegal food tour bus to enjoy a number of stops. The first of which is with Brandon Kearns in coffee time and then we pay a visit to McBride Fishing to hear from Hugh McBride and then it's off to Fisk to meet Tony Davidson and my final stop was on a working raft yes it was, in the middle of Mulroy Bay where I talked to Cahill Wilhare and Karen from Mulroy Bay Mussels. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Welcome to McBride's Crab Suppliers. This is Hugh from the McBride family and Tony Davidson from Fisk over the road. So we're going to visit Tony after this and have some crab salad to sample it. We have three boats and they're specialised for, as I say, for catching crab and they have facilities on board, live seawater tanks to keep the crab aboard. We have sort of a fully integrated, vertically integrated company in the crab sector. We have our own fishing vessels and logistics to take our crab to market and uh, we sell all our crab live and we sell it throughout the European markets France, Spain, Italy, Portugal probably about 80% abroad 20% would be uh, we would sell to Irish processors who in turn cook the crab vacuum pack it and sell it onto the European markets and Asian markets cook frozen so I suppose eventually 100% of it's nearly going to broth. Okay. Because culturally in Ireland people are not used to sitting down at the table and breaking down a crab and eating it as it's after it's cooked. Whereas in the, uh, especially the western periphery in Europe and, and the Mediterranean countries they are, that's part of their culture. They sit at a meal, they break down a shellfish, crab and they extract the meat. In Ireland and, and uh, now in the UK there's an emerging market there all the time for extracted meat products particularly white meats from crab. So there are new companies springing up now that are, are uh, actually cooking the crab, extracting the meat and selling onto the market in Ireland in, in meat products. Welcome to Fusk. As you can see, it's quite a large restaurant. <laughs> um, we opened uh, last Easter and we just it's kind of seasonal around here, so we just opened uh, last summer, and then we closed and done some renovations. And this year we're going to try and take it out of the seasonal 
uh, bracket and try and go all year round. Um, as you can see, our kitchen's quite small. We don't have what you would say a conventional oven. Uh, what we use is a charcoal oven. So uh, we cook all our whole fish on that at night. Uh, usually we use, uh, this week we had on Sebring. I quite like the mackerel in there. Um, and we've tried a few different things, and anything with a shell on. Um, sea bass, bream, all works really well. High, really high heat, crispy skin, lovely. Well, I've been coming here since I was a kid. Yeah, you can see the pictures on the wall. I was like three years old on the beach. I grew up around Donegal surfing, so I always try to want to come back to Donegal. I was working in Belfast for a couple of years. Um, I mean, I was always, I was always like getting up early, going for a surf, and then driving all the way back to Belfast, working in the kitchen, and <laughs> trying to do the next, the next day. So I was like, I just need to move up there. Um, getting a job in a good restaurant was always like what I wanted to do when I started chefing only three and a half years ago. Um, so I tried to get into the best restaurants I could in Belfast and then after that we just took a leap and came up to Donegal. We always said location was going to be our number one factor, location, location, location. And as you can see we sort of got the location right here. So um, yeah, that's basically us. And the name Fisk is all, all Swedish. So my girlfriend's from Stockholm. So we met in Australia about six years ago, and then we came back to Belfast. Uh, we worked uh, on and off in Belfast, traveling a lot, and then we came up here and opened Fisk. Uh, it was actually a butcher's about 20 years ago. Uh, I would like to show you some pictures of the room before, but uh, they've all seemed to disappear. <laughs> um, we're just going to eat a little dish here now. It's the crab from the pier that you just seen. We just try to keep the essence of the crab in the dish. We've just added a little bit of fennel and a little bit of apple. I'm just always weary of taking away the flavour of the crab because it's so delicate. I really just wanted that to come through. So what we have is just a little bit of apple on the bottom, the crab salad and then the fennel on top. Yeah, hope you enjoy it. I know these are quite tough for taste. So. My name is Cahar Wilhair from Mulroy Bay Mussels. So you're looking at long lines. So the barrels keep the line afloat. So that's our head rope. And on that head rope we tie on our droppers are called and uh, they suspend to 10 from 10 to 12 meters in the water and it's a New Zealand system it's continuous rope and uh, whenever we're stalking the, the mussels go out and they're coated in cotton a cotton sock is over the top of them and this cotton dissolves in the water and by the time it dissolves the mussels are all Based together they're all connected so you'll see this system now we'll haul this rope and we've got brushes just to clean the muscles off the rope harvesting is usually um, depending on the time of year so about maybe March we could be harvesting three days a week for maybe four weeks um, we always harvest at least once a week for the local market keep our keep the stuff on the shore topped up and uh, but we'd be out during the summer we'd be out five days a week we're always thinning out thinning out our lines and restocking things like that so you thin it out so it comes back more and more yes so see there if we stock small mussels on this line we could put maybe five ton of small mussels on a line so those mussels would grow they would get heavy if we were to leave them on the line they would eventually sink the line with their weight so we have to continuously take them in grade them and thin them out again whenever we come we'll lift up the line and we'll take a sample so we take a couple of kilos 
and we measure them with calipers and then we cook them and we gauge what percentage of meat. So you cook, you would cook one kilo. You cook one kilo and then you pick out the meat and if you have 200 grams of meat, that means that you've got 20%. It's called 20%. If you've got 300 grams, you've got 30% meat. So anything above 18%, so that would be 180 grams of meat per kilo. That's when it's good to sell. I'm Cara, my uh, dad started this 30 odd years ago, so um, my two brothers and myself, mum and dad, are all involved currently. Has there been a big shift in the business over the past 30 years? There has, um, and especially in the past, say, about four, five, five years, the food service industry in Ireland, like we've got involved in food service. Prior to that, it was all ex-peer, so all exporting to um, the European markets. Whereas in the past four or five years, um, we're more in the food service and the domestic markets, which is great. It's the value added. It's just a turnaround for the business, really. The seed is all from Mulroy Basin, all indigenous to the area. There's nothing outside Mulroy. They're bringing them up from the water. They go into this. It's it basically it's the first stage of cleaning. It takes all grit off them, as much grit you know, as it allows. Um, it also, it also pack them at the end into the bags, into whether it be 25 kilo bags or into the big ton bags at the end. Um, but then for the food service, it go into a second grader, so it'll be washed a second time. Um, now the, the Mulroy Bay is grade A, which means they don't need to be depurated. They are, can go straight from the sea to the plate. So um, that's one big advantage that we have at Mulroy Bay. And you were rare to muscles, I'd say. I was, yes. <laughs> the whole family were rare to muscles, whether you liked them or not, you had to take them. <laughs> I don't know if you saw recently my wee niece, Lena, and yeah. Twitter. Yeah, I, did, <laughs> I mean, that was great. And the amount of people we had contacted us then, we had a few um, pediatricians and uh, kind of dietitians uh, between the UK and Ireland asked us could they use Lena as part of their promotion of healthy eating and what you need in your body so that was all good as well so I think it is still live on our website yeah. just mulroybaymuscles.ie You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Mooney Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, we were in the heart of Donegal, where I ate my way, literally, from Letterkenny to Mulroy Bay via Kilmacrannan and Downings, a trip with Donegal food tours that I can highly recommend. If you're just tuning in now and you want to catch the start of the show, it's repeated on West Limerick 102FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com, as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, as chance would have it, Donegal was coming at me from all angles this summer when I was lucky enough to emcee a cookery demo that Chef Brian McDermott did at this year's Electric Picnic 
in the theatre of food. And what did he cook up but some of those delicious mussels from Mulroy Bay in Donegal. Regular listeners to the show will know that Brian is no stranger to the best possible taste. So we're going to revisit my chat with him at the 2018 Taste of Cavan in just a minute. But first, we must congratulate him on the success of his amazing cookbook, Donegal Table, which won the top award at this year's World Gourmand Cookbook Awards, which means that it is the best chef cookbook in the world. So well done, Brian. A Donegal native, he is the best known ambassador for his area. And not only is he an award-winning chef who appears regularly on TV and a cookbook author, but last year he became a hotelier in his beloved Moville and opened the Foil Hotel. It was just after its opening that I met him at Taste of Cavan. So let's have a reminder about what he said. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Brian, congratulations on your latest venture. You've opened a hotel in your hometown up in the Inishowen Peninsula. Thank you, Sharon. We have. Actually, we're five and a half weeks into it now, so um, it's been good. Business has been brisk, but the area as a whole has actually improved over the last couple of months because we had the Irish Open which was the home of the Gulf. We had the Rory McIlroy's tramping around outside and things like that. So that helped us to get off to a good start. We've had good weather. We're in a seaside town. We're in Moville. We're on that east coast of Inishon. So um, we're in that peak season and we're really, really enjoying it at the moment. Well, tell us a bit about the hotel in terms of the rooms and the restaurant, because I imagine now the restaurant is of an exquisite standard and all that wonderful produce that you have in the area that you have to use for your menus. Yeah, well, it's interesting because in our long thoughts about taking this on, um, Moville, as I said, is a seaside town. So the hotel has been closed um, for 10 years, and I'm sure there's loads of other parts of Ireland, rurally, that can relate to that. Because when a hotel closes, the heart goes out of a town, because this one takes up about a third of the main street. So when we put our name to it and we reopened it, we energised a bit of the, the town and the surrounding areas. And one thing I wanted it to be for was for the people, because I, I personally feel that a hotel is a safe zone within a community and people can wander in and out of it and feel safe. So we very much had to get back in and be part of the community. So we wanted the eating piece to be first. So we went with the word eatery, which is probably the reverse of normal hotels because um, we wanted it to be about the food and then about the bedrooms. So we've 96 seated eatery. And the minute you walk in, you're into this sort of vibrant, bright, brand new feel but also we're very sort of sympathetic to the old historical building that's been there since the 1800s. So you're, you walk straight into the, the food eatery part and then the wine bar because that's where people are at the moment in terms of trends. You know, we're not a traditional pub because there's, there's so many other pubs in our area. So we didn't want to displace them first and foremost. We wanted to, to bring something new. And then in terms of the food, it really was just a move of the type of food that I do over into a bit more of a commerciality to it and then we've 16 bedrooms and a function room for 130 seats so um, very excited I'm not going to lie um, I, we're away here today we've come away from the business for the first time in about eight weeks and I think it's that sort of Irish guilt that sets in to think oh, why am I away from my own business but you got to put trust in a team you know we, we set out to employ local people that was a key part of this as well and um, we had 30 jobs, eight of which were full-time, but we actually have employed 36 people in, in the community at the moment. That's amazing, and it, what you say about it being the heart, a hotel being the heart of a town, just even for uh, meetings, 
school PTA all of those different things they probably really missed it and even people going in to have a cup of coffee or a scone or like meet me down the town for a meeting if you're passing through so it's great that that resource is back into the the town yeah I would agree fully with that because um, everyone is calling in and they're meeting for a cup of tea they're meeting socially or they're having business meetings and it is the scone it's almost like coming to the safe place in the environment have our meeting, have a look around with a lower spend, but we're seeing them coming back quite quickly, as quick as that day, because they're getting sort of the vibe of what we're trying to do and achieve. And, you know, you can ask us what our ethos is and our model. Um, we, we're rural Donegal. Donegal people, you know, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm probably being biased, but they're, they're quite sort of mannerly, friendly, approachable people. So when we were recruiting staff, the, what we were looking for was sort of, native people that had manners and had worked in hospitality plus we took on people that we wanted to train to our model as well so our model's honesty first and foremost across the board so be honest with the customer be honest put the menu up put the price up and be honest with the food in relation to how we're going to execute it and that's worked quite well because i mean simple things that goes on behind the scenes in a hotel that don't get told i mean one of our waitresses there last weekend was on her way out with four beautifully cooked local seafood dishes from Greencastle a couple of kilometres down the road and she trips and she falls so naturally that food um, has fallen and they've got a potential another 20 minutes so I said look guys what's our policy it's honesty tell the customer exactly what happened because the likelihood here is that they heard that egg clattering the floor and clattering on to the you know to everywhere the people were walking and and it's amazing how those customers reacted whereas if we didn't address that through the honesty policy they'd have been getting sort of agitated that they were waiting too long and and they turned out to be repeat customers now that has come back to us so um yeah to go to go back to your, your question and, and your sort of summarization definitely we're seeing um, the community meeting and zoning together in the hotel and i don't think that's down to anything we did i think it's down to the void of a hotel being sucked out of a rural irish town so um we're back and uh, the town's back the area's back and if it's any example that we can give to people to to have encouragement to go and do it i mean it's been a, a 1.5 million investment in this project which is a lot of money and it sounds like you've got the stamp of approval from the local people but you've also got it from Georgina Campbell. Yeah, look, I, I was over the moon, I'm not going to lie. The local people are going to be there all year round. Um, we see an influx of tourists through, I mentioned, the golf and the summer season and the good weather. But it's the locals are going to carry us through the hardy November or the minus fours in December. And that's been brilliant. And when you set out on a journey, you hope you get respect and accreditation from the peers uh, and also from the food critiques. And Georgina came in quite quick in the process, which was fantastic for us. And, and I mean, Georgina leaves and you think to yourself, I wonder what's going to happen next. You know, and there we are, and almost now six weeks into it. And last week, we learned that where we are fully recommended in the Georgina Campbell Guide. And, and interestingly, she picked up as well just that there's there's a bit of honesty going on there. And, and you know, the fact that I'm in the industry 27 years, I think there's, there's trust there as well that you'll put the customer first and you'll put the produce. And you'll forget about yourself because I'm only at one of the 38 jobs. And that's the way myself, Brenda, uh, and our two girls look at it you like their jobs for us secure in our future but hopefully advancing a region in terms of the food message because the Georgina Campbell guide is not something that has been floating freely about the east end of Inishon. You do have a very strong brand like the chef Brian McDermott brand is very strong and whenever you launched your book Donegal Table you had like 
500 people at the book launch and that included some of the top food writers in the country including John and Sally McKenna. Yeah look again I've been proximity in East show and you, you, you put on a book launch and you just send a little email going you know I wonder will we get anyone up. They all jumped at it and that surprised me you know and they all came up um, and, and all the top writers to be fair had covered it and you have to pinch yourself and say to yourself why is this happening you know and, and I think and I don't try and answer it myself but I think it's happening and again I'm going to keep coming back to that word in terms of honesty because because I've been on a journey that's let's let's face it started as a chef in training started within lecture and then sort of nearly ended with heart attacks and then you rebuilt yourself so it was like people could see that you were rebuilding yourself back and all I knew to do was hospitality cooking and catering so getting back and then making the big bold step of a book you know and launching it and and 500 people in, in an area that has a population of 1300 something was amazing for us it gave us that real confidence piece and when we were doing the book we knew the hotel project was happening even though we hadn't announced it but what I would say is there's no guarantees in life and the strength of wherever that brand is positioned national, you know, nationally or regionally at the moment through the work that I do transferring it isn't a guarantee that you're going to be successful because life doesn't have guarantees and how many people you're going to get through your door but the level of business that we've experienced at the Foyle Hotel now is, is, is two and a half times above the projected level that we thought we'd be at. You talked during your demonstration earlier on about having the heart issues, like serious heart issues at a very young age and how you addressed that to move on from it. You talked about Nevin Maguire ringing you and really pumping you up. Um, your cooking then is like you don't use any salt in your cooking. Yeah, I, I suppose when it happened to me, um, a typical male, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people, is you know, you think, why that happened to me? There's almost a wee bit of anger within you. Um, and it took me a long time to be comfortable even speaking about it. And then I realised that there's a little bit of therapy within this in talking to others about it. I also realised as typical Irish, a lot of people will moan about their health. So I, I was careful I didn't want to be sound like I'm moaning, but if somebody engaged in a conversation, I tried to always pitch it based on my experience that it wouldn't happen to them. So I've carried that across now into my cooking, into my demonstration. So I suppose I've reduced salt um, because was it to blame? Absolutely not. Was it a contributor? Potentially. You know, the stress could have been life in general. Maybe, maybe my attitude to life and where now, you know, I, I look at everything very, very different. I think one of my, one of my key strengths is resilience. You know, if something happens, I'm, I'm quite famous within family stuff for saying, well, we are where we are. You know, in other words, it's a fact that's happened. Like, can we move on? Um, and, and in serious cardiac issues, I mean, unfortunately, it's too common amongst the hospitality industry in general. So I think if anything that I can change at the moment, it's not teaching people dramatic cooking skills. It's just their, their, their health and their attitude towards food and how it can give back. As much as we're taken from the food, it can give back in terms of fuel, in terms of your mood, and how you can create a social scene on a Saturday night and go, you know, that we can go into a very sort of positive mood amongst family and amongst friends and so on. You made two fabulous dishes earlier, and one of them was an orzo pasta dish, and you were saying about you don't need to put oil into the, the boiling water, which I thought was very interesting, and you don't put salt into it either. No, I mean, there's a couple of myths that I think are floating around in Irish cooking. Um, one of them is, you know, pasta. We think, oh, Italians, we should be using potatoes. No, we can make pasta. It's three ingredients. So orzo pasta is small, sort of 
maybe three times the size of a grain of rice. Very easy to get. Um, I love it because it doesn't feel like you're eating loads of carbohydrates. And when you run out of sauce or pesto in your pasta, you feel quite sort of gloopy, if that makes sense to be the word I use. So orzo pasta works really, really well in that respect, and it absorbs in loads of flavor. But when you're cooking it, and the point that you're making is, you know, we all grew up thinking you got to put oil into the water to stop the pasta cooking. Put oil into water and it floats on top. You know, the Italians will tell you, you drain your pasta, then you put in your oil, and that stops it from cooking. So I always put that out there, and you can see, like, 90% of that audience today sort of went, ah, okay, I get that now. And even the salt, if you look at the dish that I did, I finished it off with some bacon, dry-cured bacon, which has a natural bit of salt in there. So why would I add more salt into it? And then I tried to increase the other taste bud factors that we spoke about in the demonstration, you know, our sweet, sour, and our bitter and salt. It's a balance of all of them that makes a reasonably um, decent dish taste very good. And the book has gone extremely well for you. You've gone to a second print. Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy with that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, again, I'll go back. There's no there's no guarantees in life. And when a publisher approaches you in the size and the scale of O'Brien Press, you think to yourself, God, I've got to deliver here. You know, and, and I feel we did deliver as a family and we delivered as a successful launch. And, you know, so many books get printed. And then you think, will we ever get to a second print run? And, and the day you get that phone call to say there's going to a second print, run you know then you're into sales of around 6,000 books and you tend to think to yourself that's quite good because you know I titled the book Donegal Table because I wanted it to be about the region that I'm from that I grew up on that reared us and that we continue to employ people in um, and I mean look there's something else happening now with the secondary book as a result of the success of the first one and we're only six months after the launch I still feel it's a really new book I mean we're here in Cavan at the moment um, and immediately after the demonstration you have a new audience so you're selling a new book and they're buying in because they're a border county as well so they can almost resemble what's going on in Donegal to what's going on in Cavan and that's the thing about it if I'm promoting my milkman everybody's got a milkman you know and you've got to do that and the same with a butcher. Well you're no stranger to Cavan and the food festival here you've been a number of years what is so special about Cavan and the food producers and the ingredients that they have in this area? I think I think with Cavan um, I've been involved since the very start in terms of this food festival and I saw it grow but I think the key difference of Cavan festival to other festivals is the council participation in it um, and funding let's just put it out there because um, for me and you to take this on for a Pacific region this is a business in some sense to try and make it work and who takes the risk you know Calvin County Council took the risk but when you think about it and I've never said this to them but they had some aces up their sleeves because they've never McGuire and think about that for a second every festival yeah. in Ireland would love Nevin Maguire I mean I had him in any shown for an agriculture show this week 2,000 extra people that was normally at that festival attended because of Nevin Maguire so I think Cavan County Council must have sat in a boardroom someday and said to themselves do you know what we have got the king here and let's do this and it was built around Nevin and then it was built look at Cavan now and look at the Shane Smith look at the Garode Lynches you know look at the guys that has come out of Cavan they're, they're probably the pocket in the country that has the strongest high-profile elements of chefs so that's why it works what what makes the producers any different um, in terms of the food you know it's probably a similarity to other parts in other regions and this is me being honest but again it's the people they're not in your face they're not pushing it they're not forcing it they're just lovely genuine people who has a story to tell you know and they're telling it in a very modest way and when first time five years ago they got a platform 
to come together as a region and to do this was at the Taste of Cavan. So I know companies out there, Sharon, that uh, four years ago in particular were quite nervous. It was their first festival. And one of them I spoke to on stage you know, more than 10 minutes ago, and they now employ five people. Now, we might say that that's not a lot of jobs. It is, because the owner has got themselves a job, and now they've got four others working, and that's gone on about five or six times out there in the auditorium today. So you walk past and you smile and you think, well done, Calvin, that, that, that's a region you know that, that has lifted, gelled together, strengthened themselves into a region that is now shortlisted for, for Foodie Town 2018. Well, I've been blown away by the quality of the producers here and the friendliness and you know obviously the, the demo lineup and everything's been amazing it's been brilliant to talk to you because I was dying to talk to you just to find out a bit more about the hotel and wish you all the best with it and obviously to Brenda and the two girls Aoife and Neve as well a real family affair and you deserve every success in the world thank you so much Sean. bon appetit yummy grubs up delicious mmm and that was the award-winning chef Brian McDermott, whose cookbook, A Donegal Table, is the best in the world. And having caught up with him at Electric Picnic, I was delighted to hear that there is another book in the writing and we'll share news about that whenever it goes to print. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. A huge thank you to everyone involved in the food tour of Donegal. Check out DonegalFoodTours.com. So many people to thank. Manuela Spinelli, Anthony O'Toole, Chris Malloy, Ivan McCarran and Sue Glacken. And of course, all the producers and chefs who we heard from tonight who fed me so well during my visit. Be sure to put a visit to that beautiful part of Ireland on your to-do list. In the meantime, I look forward to being back next week. So until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.